When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, welcome back to the treatment room with Tess and Lauren. So today's episode, you're just getting us, and this episode is really all about you guys. We are taking your listener questions. We love getting these because we were honestly so interested in hearing what questions are on your minds, how we can help. So we're really excited to dive into these. The first question we got was actually about chemical peels. So Lauren, I will let you lead into this one. Okay. So chemical peels, this is a big, um, a big category. So there's different types of peels. There's different types of acids. There's different combinations. Um, there's, you know, on the more, um, gentler side, you're going to have enzymes, which are going to be like papaya and um, pineapple. So you're going to see words like bromelain and um, papain. And those are really good gentle enzymes that just eat away at the dead skin cells at the top of your skin um, to help kind of give you a nice gentle glow. And then you're also going to see things that are, you know, your traditional like salicylic and lactic, salicylic being great for Um, you know, overall just great for acne. Um, Lactic is great for brightening and hydrating. And then when we get into more complicated peels, such as like Jesner's and TCA, those are going to be more of like your medium depth peels that you may or may not be legally allowed to do based on the um, you know, the state that you live in and what your license encompasses, if that makes sense. So like Jesner's I know is like a combination of different peels that give a more of a medium depth. So you might peel afterwards. Um, and TCA is trichloracetic acid, um, which is again, a stronger chemical. So it really just depends on like what you're, what you're looking for, what kind of peel you want to do. And, you know, I guess how sensitive the skin is. And then again, what your license encompasses. Yes, totally. I think Lauren hit it on the head there. You just want to take into consideration the skin type. If you're a little bit more on the sensitive side, maybe something like lactic would be more beneficial. That's that's derived from milk and it has a really hydrating effect on the skin as opposed to something like glycolic acid, which is derived from sugar cane, a little bit better for anti-aging. Again, like Lauren said, salicylic helps to dissolve congestion in the pores, so a little bit better for acne-prone skin types. So many different types of peels, and they're such a beautiful thing, I think, to have in our arsenal and toolkits as estheticians. They can really deliver dramatic results for the client. That said, I think with peels comes a greater risk. So as a newer SD, I think generally it's better to just, you know, treat the skin cautiously and always, always want to ease into skin peels 
it's, I know there can kind of be that pressure from the client to want, you know, the most extreme results and mm-hmm. you want to, you want to deliver, but you, I think that confidence of telling your client, you know, we can, we can get you to point B, but it's going to take a little bit of a process. Peels are typically done in a series. It's not a one and done kind of thing. So just prepping your client, being aware of what they want and being confident enough to kind of prescribe a treatment plan over a course of time is really, really important. Also taking into consideration their general lifestyle. Are they using retinols and, Mm -hmm. you know, prescription tretinoin? Because that is appeal in itself. So being aware of what they're using at home. Are they on a good home care routine that's going to create a good foundation where they're not, you know, super imbalanced, inflamed already? Because adding a peel onto skin that's already compromised is never a good idea. You want to get it, you want to get it stronger first and have that good foundation before you start introducing peels. Yeah, exactly. There's so much that goes into peels because they are a more um, tend to be a more intense treatment and you can, um, you know, if, if you don't use them properly, you can end up doing more damage than you're doing good. So we actually have a whole episode on chemical peels with Michelle Fallon. Um, we will link what episode that is, um, in the notes. So if you want even more in depth than that, Michelle is so phenomenal and it was a really great episode. So we'll link that in the notes if you want to go even deeper. Yeah, totally. Because that is such like we could, that's a whole course in and of itself. And some schools, I think, touch on peels more than than others. But getting that hands-on experience and understanding the basics and the differences, I think, is really important. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Okay. So next question. Let's see. Where's my questions? I lost them. Okay. Acne tips. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That's a pretty broad, broad topic, but take it away, Tess. Yeah, that is a broad topic. We will just kind of hit on some of the basics and you guys will find if you are Estes, somebody's experiencing acne, it can be, you know, a whole systemic holistic issue. It could be something going on internally. So there's so many different different things to talk to your clients about, but we'll just hit on a few of the a few of the big ones. So first is really ensuring that your client or you yourself is cleansing the skin really thoroughly. Clean skin is happy skin, so this is so incredibly important. You want to establish a good morning and nighttime routine. Nighttime especially mm-hmm. is so important to go to bed with clean skin. You don't want to take the streets to the sheets. You want to make sure (laughs) your skin is clean because that's that nighttime is such a reparative process. And it's your time for your skin to heal from the damage it's gone through throughout the day. So you just want to ensure your skin is clean, especially when you, when you hit the pillow. Um, You may want to consider the amount of oils you're using in your routine. Maybe you want to consider something a little bit lighter, such as an oil-free moisturizer. 
especially as we get into summertime, the hotter summer months, you may want to consider reducing how much layering you're doing with your skincare. For example, if you are using serums and then a moisturizer, a sunscreen, and an SPF, it may just be too much occlusion and your skin is struggling to get that oxygen. It could kind of create a breeding ground for bacteria. So consider that. Think about the makeup you're wearing. I think makeup can have an effect on the skin if it's formulated with a lot of silicones, dimethicones. It's just, it could be another layer you're applying to your skin. So you may want to consider what ingredients are in your makeup. Also consider alcohols, um, really congestive formulas or ingredients such as vitamin E, just the, the amount of oils that are in makeup definitely can lead to acne. I know the whole glowy skin trend, which I personally love, but it's something to kind of think about with your skincare because I know a lot of products that are marketed as super glowy type of formulas can have a lot of oils and silicones formulas that will just kind of create that barrier. You may want to start incorporating more active ingredients such as benzoyl peroxide if you're having a little bit more cystic whiteheads or salicylic if you are experiencing blackhead congestion. Another thing that's really common with a lot of my clients is to ensure they're really cleansing the skin right after a workout so they don't have that, that heated, moist environment um, and that you just you keep the skin clean and don't give it that opportunity to breed more bacteria and acne. So I know that was a mouthful and it's so <laughs> much information, but you guys wanted tips. So those are, those are a few tips. Lauren, do you have anything to add? I think just like the, when it comes to acne, especially just like overall tips and you're not looking at somebody specific, I think making sure that you're cleansing thoroughly and also just almost like taking your skincare, you know, Donna Omari says this, take your skincare back to basics. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great starting place for a lot of people who maybe they're trying to, you know, work on themselves just as a consumer at home. They don't have the money to see an esthetician. Um, one of the best things you can do is just take your skincare back to basics. If you've got, you know, a cleanser and then this toner and then this serum and then this collagen cream and then this, you know, moisturizer, sunscreen, all of this right. stuff, you know, take it back to cleanse, moisturize, SPF in the morning and just see how your skin does. And from there you can kind of Yes. work forward. But yeah, yes. I think that definitely cleansing also, I think gets a bad rap a lot of times because everybody's yeah, like, right. don't over cleanse. You're going to strip your skin. You need these natural oils. But at the same time, you can cleanse without stripping. That's not, you know, right. one or the other. Right. So Absolutely. make sure you're cleansing and use like a cleansing device. Use something like a silicone cleansing device so that you really know you're getting under those fine little hairs on your skin um, without damaging with, that can be done with like a brush. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's super key. Getting the basics, like Lauren said, the hydration down and the cleansing down before you move on to adding more products and ingredients mm -hmm. to your routine. The active ingredients are wonderful, but if you don't have that solid foundation, they just 
won't work to, to, to their full potential and they can possibly backfire and just create more inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and something we didn't really emphasize is hydration. I think oh, hydration yeah. and water-based hydration is so key for everyone, even acneic clients, oily clients, you still need that water to heal the skin. So realize that hydration and water is different from from oils and everybody does need that hydration to help heal post-inflammatory acne um, and help just help decrease that that wound response. So Mm -hmm. everyone needs water and hydration for sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because that's another thing that I see a lot of people doing is when they have acne, they want to think they have too much oil. They want to dry it out, dry it out, dry it out. And it's like, no, we can't dry. You can't be drying it out (laughs) because it's it's just going to create more oil, more of an issue. So yeah, water-based, super, super, super important. And especially um, in the winter time. And if you live in a dry climate. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, ingredients like benzoyl peroxide or salicylic may dry you out a little bit and that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. But again, you want to have that, that solid foundation. Hopefully you're using good quality professional products and making sure your skin has that hydration so that when you do add those active ingredients, it's not completely imbalanced and you compromise your barrier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we touched on this, I mean, for like literally one second, but the next question is cleanser info and what to look for brands to trust. Um, this is another one that we could go on. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. We could have like mm-hmm. go on about this for days, but I think basically with cleansers, you have to, it's, it's again, it's that balance. You want to find one that cleans your skin, but doesn't strip your skin. Um, so, you know, SLS, um, sodium lauryl sulfate being like the number one culprit of stripping and drying on the skin. I don't think there's ever a need really for SLS in skincare. Like it doesn't make anything work better really. It just, you know, adds that foaminess, which is generally just a, a preference. You know, some people don't feel like their skin is clean if they don't use something foamy. Um, but I promise you it is. If you're cleansing properly, it definitely is. You don't need SLS in there too. Um, to have your skin feel clean. No, there's so many different innovative ingredients. I know um, sodium cocal sulfate is one that is in our Dermaplus cleanser. It's derived from coconuts, very different from coconut oil, but it is just a gentle foaming agent. And there are a lot of different ingredients that are not sodium lauryl sulfate. So not all not all sulfates are bad, but that one in particular is one that is more stripping and you just you don't want to feel like the skin is dry or tight after cleansing. The goal of the cleanser should be to just clean the skin. It should still feel conditioned and just normal after you mm-hmm. cleanse. And you may want to consider choosing a cleanser based on your skin type. If mm-hmm. you're more on the dry side, perhaps a gel or 
a cream-based product that's not super foaming, maybe a little bit better for you, or if you have mature skin, or if you are a little bit more sensitive, rosacea prone. I personally like doing more of a cream cleanser for the morning. I keep it pretty gentle and hydrating. And then at nighttime, I will use both a cream cleanser and a gentle foaming cleanser to just totally ensure I am dissolving my sunscreen, any extra residue from the day, and just go to bed with a clean skin. Yeah, I agree completely. And cleansing in the morning is another thing that I think people get confused on because I have so many people that, you know, I hear say, oh, well, I thought I wasn't supposed to cleanse in the morning, just water because, you know, it'll dry my skin out. And again, not necessarily. So, you know, Tess using a a cream cleanser in the morning and then a cream and a gel in the evening. That's exactly what I do as well. Because And I have oily skin and I still use a cream cleanser in the morning because you don't need to use, you know, one cleanser for everything. You're going to need a stronger cleanser in the evening because you're going to have more oil and pollution and makeup and your SPF. So and that's mm-hmm. also where, you know, a double or sometimes even triple cleanse will come into play. Yes, yes. And I think that's such an interesting point about the morning cleanse. That's probably one of like the most asked things I get Mm -hmm. in the treatment room or people actually get really defensive about their morning, like just morning rinse as opposed to a cleanse. And you have to find what works for you. The one thing I will point out is that while you sleep and your skin is going through that reparative process, your skin is secreting oils and um, sweat, debris, you're rolling around on your pillow. So I think, I don't know where this came from, that there kind of came this like verbiage that in the morning time, your skin is still clean and you don't want to get rid of all those wonderful ingredients from the night before. I would say I disagree with that notion. I disagree completely. I disagree. I especially think since at nighttime we are using, a lot of us are using retinoids or BHAs, exfoliating products. I just like a clean slate. I like to just, you know, start with a a fresh face in the morning. And that way, like when I go on my walk, I'm not applying my sunscreen over my retinol from the night before, Mm -hmm. even if it's not as active as it was Um, when I put it on at nighttime, I think I just like to start fresh and use the daytime for kind of more like defense mode products, antioxidants and vitamin C. And I, I really think there's something to keeping the pores clean. What I would suggest kind of like we said before is just ensuring it's not a cleanser that is stripping your face. You should be able to use your cleanser two to three times a day without it feel without your skin feeling compromised. I myself, a lot of times I will just rinse with water if I'm going to do a workout in my living room straight away. That's fine. Um, because you don't you don't want to overwash. There's something to be said for that as well. So I think there's a kind of a time and place, but just in general, I'm a fan of the two cleanses a day. Yeah, I completely agree. No matter what your skin type, you just have to find the right cleanser. And on the point of not wanting to wash off all the delicious products from the night before, (laughs) I hear this more frequently than I would like because it's like there's, there's really no benefit to leaving them on because first of all, they oxidize on your skin. You know, it's not like you put on your vitamin C serum and it works for the next week 
or even 48 <laughs> hours, because if that were the case, we wouldn't have to repurchase our product so much. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think if anybody is, is, you know, operating on that notion, please, please, please reconsider it. Because also if you're not washing that off, the products you put on in the morning aren't able to do their best job either. So it's totally. like you're kind of wasting your morning products because they can't penetrate through the oil and the retinol and the creams and everything you put on the night before. So Yeah, yeah, agree 100%. And you have two opportunities to to really make the most out of your routine and improve your skin. So we say take them, start fresh in the morning and yes. cleanse everything off at night. Yep. Perfect. Okay, I think that's a great segue into skin myths. And I really like this question. Thank you for submitting it. So just things that I guess are kind of assumed in skincare, things that we can debunk as Estes. One of the biggest things I hear, I actually hear this a lot from not to not, I'm not throwing shade, but I hear this a lot about from kind of like influencers and bloggers talking about skincare and it's that the pores open and close and Mm -hmm. that, you know, they, they love their at home steamer because it opens the pores and all that. So your skin is not a trap door. The pores do not open and close. What, what things like a steamer device or what else, like a, a cold device could do is soften the skin um, or kind of help to constrict blood vessels and kind of like seal everything in so that the pores feel a little bit tighter, but there's no opening and closing going on. So right. we will debunk that one. There, there was one thing I heard, and gosh, I wish I could remember who I heard this from, um, but I heard somebody say like your pore and forgive me, this is such a gross word, but your pores don't have sphincter muscles. <laughs> hate that word. <laughs> but they don't have a little, you know, they don't have muscles around the opening that will allow it to open and right, close. Right, right, right. So you could have the illusion that your pores are more open or more closed based on how much kind of like debris and oil you have in your pores. And also people with oilier skin types tend to have larger looking pores because there's more oil coming out of the pores. You know, it needs a bigger opening to get the oil out. If you had, you know, super oily skin and really small pores, it would create, you know, breakout issues. So, um, yeah, opening and closing pores is, I wish, I so wish, because I have oily skin and I have large pores. (laughs) So I wish I could make mine smaller, but. Right. Close them up. That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. The second one was that, and we're just kind of making these up. The second is that makeup is bad for the skin. Now, I think there's some truth to this in that, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, makeup can add an extra layer of occlusion to the skin. So just that extra layer can create problems and prevent oxygen from getting to the skin. So this is one of those things that I think it it really depends on the type of makeup. I Mm -hmm. think mineral makeup, we've said this before, can actually be very healing and protective for the skin. A lot of estheticians actually will recommend wearing it on an airplane as sort of an added barrier. Mm -hmm. So 
It really just depends on the type of ingredients. Jane Aradale is a brand for makeup I really like and that I can wear without having any problems as long as I am cleansing my skin and just being conscious of the amount of layers I'm using with the makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And even like um, Renee Rouleau, who yes. we love, bow down yes. to Renee. <laughs> she said that um, she loves makeup on her skin she, and she attributes to you know, her skin looking so good in part to wearing makeup every day because it, it creates that barrier and protects the skin. Um, totally. You know, from different environmental yeah. kind of assaults to the skin. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. It could go either way, 100%. Yeah. And it it's kind of an added shield from the sun, which is the yes. number one culprit for right. advanced aging. So, so there's that. I think the third myth we wanted to talk about was, Lauren addressed this a little bit, but having acne and thinking you need a whole entire acne line. I think with acne, it is so frustrating. It can wear on your self-esteem so much that you just want to kill it really hard and fast. Mm -hmm. But just be mindful that you may only need one or two acne products, such as, you know, maybe a benzoyl serum or spot treatment and something like a salicylic purifying toner. But, but other than that, you really want some good hydration and like we said, water-based ingredients to help hydrate and heal the skin. Yeah. And one thing I want to point out in this here as well is that there's a difference between an acne line and an acne system. So you could have, um, you know, an acne line and it's like, you know, a salicylic cleanser and then a salicylic toner and then a salicylic spot treatment, a benzoyl spot treatment, you know, a salicylic moisturizer, all this stuff. And that's a whole line to which I would say pick and choose a couple products like Tess said. But then there's also acne systems, which again, it could be depending on the brand and the system itself. Um, it could be good or bad. Again, you just mm, have to look at what yes. it is. But I've seen some systems where it's like, they have, you know, say a salicylic cleanser, they've got the spot treatment, but then they have a really hydrating water-based moisturizer. And then they have, um, you know, a hydrating or pH balancing toner, you know, so you have the whole system that provides your hydration, mm, your calming. Yeah. And then you're also your, the active products to treat your acne. So I think be, be careful. Cause also a lot of times when you see an acne line, I don't necessarily think that the manufacturer wants you to use every single product. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I almost feel like they create those lines so that you have options of what you want to incorporate into your routine. Um, It probably depends on the manufacturer, but that's just my take on them. Totally. And it it can be really tricky. So I think that's where estheticians can be a beautiful thing. You can, you can go mm-hmm. to someone and they can help curate a routine for your skin. That's not going to be too, too little or too, too much of something. So, yeah, exactly. And that kind of leads into our next myth, which is that oily skin doesn't need a moisturizer. Again, as we've talked about before, that couldn't yeah. be more false because yeah. your you know, oily skin has a lot of oil, but that doesn't mean it has a lot of water. Absolutely. And something I hear on kind of the flip side is that oily skin responds really well to more oil. And I just, I don't see this working in my experience. And 
Yeah, I think I think that's a really bad myth, actually. Um, it's a it's a I feel like it's a bad myth when you when you make it such an umbrella term, you know, because right. I think some oily skin can benefit from oil, um, but some doesn't, and it also depends on the oil. I think it's just, and it also depends on like, you know, your skin will change. And I, I've mentioned this yeah. before, but I had a girlfriend who um, was all of a sudden breaking out like crazy on her forehead. And it was something internal that was going on with her. So she was seeing like a naturopathic doctor and all that stuff, but she had been a huge fan of oils on her skin prior to this. And her skin did great with it, had no issues. But then once this internal issue happened and she was breaking out, even though her skin used to love oils with this new, you know, condition that was going on, the oils were just making things worse. So you have to also mean, you know, know what, that your skin is going to change. It's not Not something that works now. Isn't necessarily going to work five years from now. Yes. Yeah. So we're always customizing and reevaluating things as yeah. our skin changes for sure. Gosh, I almost feel like we could do a whole episode on skin myths. We really could. And I think we should. I think yeah. we should too. We'll we will keep, list. yeah, we'll keep a running list. And if you guys have any that come to mind, please let us know. Yeah. Always shout out and say hello on social. We love your feedback and it helps us just to create episodes that actually help you guys and give you the information you want. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Moving on to our next question. We were asked how to treat people of color. And we think this is also such an important topic that we are going to be devoting an entire future episode that we are recording next week with a multicultural skin specialist. Her name mm-hmm. is Joelle Lee. You guys might know her from Instagram, but she is a expert in treating skin of color. And Lauren and I feel sadly, it is just not something that you spend enough time on in school. And mm-hmm. I remember when I was officially working in a treatment room, it's, it's a little bit shocking because as much as people say, you know, we are all the same, different skin types react differently to different types of trauma, different right. types of, of different, like different treatments. Yeah. So, you know, like chemical peel is going to react differently on someone of white skin versus, um, you know, Asian skin or black skin. It's, it's all very different. Yeah. And especially with extractions, darker skin types can be more prone to that trauma. So it's, it's a little bit trickier and we are so excited to learn more. I cannot wait. We cannot wait. And Joelle just seems like a gem. Yes, like, I know. I can't her, wait. Her voice is like honey. <laughs> oh, I love it. I know. I can't wait to talk to her. I think it'll be a really, really good episode. Something that's, you know, of course, missing from the space right now. So I yes. think that that this is going to be, you know, just help to open up the door, the lines of communication as well. And, and just, you know, further educate everybody because, you know, personally, I did not receive barely any education on how to treat, you know, skin of color. So I'm excited to learn more. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So that leads into our next question. You guys wanted to know more about what are POC owned makeup and skincare lines that we would recommend. So we have a few favorites and 
we are, of course, so open to learning more and hearing from your guys' recommendations. So let's just keep each other apprised and mm-hmm. yeah, keep sharing. Um, some of the brands that we have experience with and that we like are first Unsun. They are a sunscreen brand. They specialize in mineral sunscreen, which is incredible. We sold a ton of Unsun when I worked at Credo. It's a really popular, non-toxic, obviously, um, sunscreen line. So mm-hmm. that one's great and super timely right now in yeah. summer. Um, Shani Darden, another professional line. She is an esthetician based out of LA. She's actually the first like celebrity esthetician mm-hmm. I ever learned about. And she actually really inspired my SD journey. She has some really phenomenal products. Her retinol reform, I think is a lovely, gentle retinol option if you are mm-hmm. first getting into retinol. Love her. Love her. Um, Brio Gio is another one. They are actually a hair care line. One of my favorites. Love and- Brio Gio. Yeah, I love their masks. I just ordered, they have like a castor oil for lash growth, lash and brow growth. So I'm super excited to try that. And I ordered their detangler as well. Love it. I've only ever tried their shampoo and conditioner, but I like loved it. And I have, I never purchased again because I just, I try new things all the time, but that's definitely one that's on like my repurchase list. Yeah, I think it's an incredible line. And I really appreciate that the quality of the ingredients is what, um, like, is what promotes the most change with their products, as opposed to so many lines that just feel nice because of the the silicones right. and whatnot. So it's less about like having like a a fake like coating on your hair. It's actually improving the health of it. Yes, exactly. Love that. And then a couple cosmetics companies we like are Pat McGrath Labs. Her shadows are unreal and like super, super pigmented, beautiful colors. Really popular in like the fashion space mm-hmm. and she's always at New York Fashion Week. A little bit pricey, but really beautiful stuff. And then Mented Cosmetics is a brand I'm really excited to learn more about. I mm-hmm. found them on Instagram and they have a really cute feed. Yes. Perfect. And then also there's, um, well, two things. One that I wanted to add that we didn't have our, have on our list here. I actually just found this company last night. It's called Browndages and it's, mm-hmm. it's bandages like band-aids for specifically for people of color. So I think they were founded in 2008. They're a small black owned business. Um, but from what I've seen, their colors are like so phenomenal like they match perfectly so um definitely i think take a look at at browndages if you're looking you know for band-aids that you know fit your skin color yeah and i don't know if you heard lauren but band-aid has now announced that mm-hmm. they're making band-aids of all skin colors i mean yes. it took took long enough but long enough. gosh it's crazy i literally cannot believe that doesn't exist yet it's like Bizarre. All these years, they've been making like SpongeBob and like cartoon <laughs> band aids. Right. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, yeah. Well, it, any effort is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things you can say, "Why now?" and you know, get caught up in um, why it's taken so long. But uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. we wouldn't be happy if brands weren't doing anything. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then um, there's a, if you guys want like a more comprehensive list than that, because Tess and I, we don't love to, um, you know, promote any skincare or anything that we haven't personally vetted. Um, just, you know, for sake of making sure that we're recommending things that, you know, have quality ingredients are going to affect the skin properly, all that stuff. Um, but if you want a more comprehensive list that includes like home decor and candles and hair care, all that kind of stuff. Um, the, there's quite a few lists online. I found one from Estee Laundry, which is E S T E E, um, laundry on Instagram. They have a full list that you can see. I mean, it's like four pages long. It's like a ton of stuff. So you can look online. There's tons of more like, um, comprehensive lists. Yes. Well said. All right, we'll move on to the next question. And I think this is super timely. I know a lot of you are starting to graduate virtually from esthetician school. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> the question was now that you have your SD license, now what? So I really have three tips here. And I think I'm actually going to make a whole YouTube video with a deeper dive because I know. A lot of you are anxious, and I I so remember being in that position where I didn't know what to do next, but my top three tips for what to do after you have graduated and have your license are, and you can do the first one anytime, but start making a list of three to five places that you would die, be so happy, you consider your dream workplace, just write down a list of those places that would be like your absolute dream job to work at and then start reaching out. You can look a brand up on Instagram. You can look or a spa. You can, you can find them on LinkedIn. There are all of that information is just at your fingertips these days, which is amazing. So make a list. And I think there's something about like writing it out and manifesting it is really powerful. I have always done this with jobs. I've always, you know, really put intention behind it and then sought them out as opposed to just applying to things online, because then I feel you get caught up in the mix and you unfortunately tend to be one of many, not to say it won't work out and you won't get the job. But I think, I think it really, looks impressive to a brand when you reach out to them specifically. And I think they feel flattered and it kind of bridges the gap of them wondering, oh, are they just applying because they need a job or do they like us specifically? So um, I love that. Go ahead and reach out with a well-crafted email and your resume and a cover letter. My second tip is to understand that your first job out of SD school it may not be your forever job. I think it's just you have to take it as a step in in the direction you want to go and understand you are going to be learning a ton in that job. And you can always move on to somewhere else if it's not a fit. It's just, you know, getting the experience. And I think that ties into my last point, which is to understand that School is really a baseline. It's a place for you to understand how to keep your treatment room sanitary. And it gives you the the basic, it gives you the basics. The real learning starts once you get into your first job and really 
being hands-on with different skin, interacting with different personalities, and understanding that it's not going to be a totally like smooth road. I think this was really apparent when we interviewed Donna Omari, Noise Skincare. You would just expect her to have, you know, the most seamless background and perfect, perfect, you know, job resume just based on looking at where she is now. But talking to her, she explained that, you know, she had to struggle. She felt like she was really horrible when she first started out. She had to teach yourself and get that experience. And unfortunately, you have to kind of mess up a little bit Mm -hmm. and just learn as you go. So just, just be patient. And I think something that was a little difficult for me to to wrap my head around was just accepting client feedback, even if it is difficult to swallow kind of in the moment, because you want to be perfect. You have so many hopes and dreams for being, you know, this esthetician and you, you can look at so many, you know, advanced SDs and just think, I want to be exactly like them right away. But you just really have to go through, unfortunately, kind of a learning curve to get there. So you won't be perfect out of the gate, but just realize starting is all you really have to do, putting your foot in the right direction and putting yourself out there. That is the most important thing. It's not about being perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think another um, point to add to that is that you really need to learn and grow from the experiences that you have, because again, you're not going to be perfect out the gate. So try not to be defensive when it comes to, you know, critiques or say, you know, a bad review or something like that, because, you know, you really have to learn and grow from it. And it's easy. It's so easy to be defensive on something like that because your intentions are good. Um, However, yeah, exactly. And that's beautiful and amazing and keep that, but, you know, learn and grow from it. If somebody says, oh, your massage was, you know, too rough or, Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is just actively pay attention to it. It doesn't mean that every complaint or critique that you get is, is right by any means, but just, you know, just always be reflecting and learning and growing. And I mean, Tess and I are still reflecting on everything that goes on in our careers. And I am not perfect. I, I totally admit you, it's almost like a human, your human reaction to be defensive because your intentions were in the right place and you felt like you did give everything to to that facial but you know you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea and that just comes with the territory you're going to find your your sole clients your perfect um matches there's going to be plenty Mm -hmm. of those but unfortunately there there will probably be a handful of people that you are just not a match for and they're a better Mm -hmm. match for your coworker, and that is a-okay. Yeah. And I think that you're going to get a lot more of that. Um, you know, people that don't necessarily mesh with you. I think you get more of that at the beginning of your career than you do when you're further in, because you get, you get so much word of mouth, um, like referral once you're a little deeper into your career. So, you know, people that mesh with you are going to recommend their friends or their, you know, whoever who are more likely to be a better mesh with you than, somebody random who found you found you online if that makes sense yes it gets easier once you start rebooking your regular clients and you start you have that relationship and they come in and you can be yourself that I think that's the most beautiful thing about 
growing in your career as an esthetician, when you get to be yourself, I think people are so much more drawn to you and you enjoy your time in the treatment room and you're able to be more present rather than allow your nerves to get the best of you. Yeah, exactly. All right. So I think next question is tips for mask acne, which um, I would love to call macne if we want to make that a thing. (laughs) Um, Do you want to dive into that, Tess? Yeah. So masks, uh, it's such a, it's definitely a tough thing and it's a new cause of breakout and inflammation for us because we're not used to it, but please wear your masks. The sooner we all follow the rules, the sooner we can get back to, back to work in our normal lives outside of quarantine, but mask acne. So when you wear a mask, it creates the perfect greeting breeding ground for bacteria. Unfortunately, it is humid and moist, excuse the word, but moist in that (laughs) environment, you are breathing and just recycling that air in your little enclosed space. It's hot. You have the heat and the friction and the bacteria and the moisture all creating a perfect breeding ground for the bacteria. So The first type of breakout you might see from that type of environment is a little bit more bacterial and it tends to be characterized by a little bit more like white little clusters, those little tiny frustrating ones. I've been getting a bunch around my mouth area. So annoying. Um, But there's that. And then there also can be a little bit more of a inflammatory reaction. So this tends to manifest in more like cystic, inflamed, um, can be a little bit deeper and more painful type of acne. Um, A little bit more difficult to prevent, but altogether, I think kind of the keys are keeping the skin clean, especially when you are putting on your mask. You want to make sure that area is totally clean. So I recommend cleansing and then following up with something like a salicylic toner just to kill all the bacteria before you wear the mask, whether it's just going to the grocery store or if you are like gonna be wearing it for six hours or just for your entire day. Um, So make sure the area is clean. I would try to avoid makeup in that area. Maybe just wear it from like your mask upwards Mm -hmm. if you're going to going to wear it so we're not creating you know another layer in that heated environment and then just really utilizing again more anti-inflammatory and antibacterial ingredients so such as the salicylic perhaps like a anti-inflammatory mask dermoplus has a really great mineral clay mask that's really soothing and calming you want to calm down that heat um, and i tend to utilize a lot of cold tools in that area just keep things nice and calm and lastly especially with the inflammatory acne you still want to really hydrate it and soothe so ingredients like chamomile or aloe just to keep it calm. You don't want to go super aggressive and like scrub it with a ton of, um, you know, facial scrub or do a ton of peels in that area. You just want to hydrate and soothe. Yes. I think that's so perfectly said. And it's like, you know, with the mask acne, it's one of those things I think where people can almost like overcompensate because 
you want to get rid of it and it's frustrating and it's something that's going to, you know, likely continue to happen until you can take the mask off and not wear it every day, which is so unfortunate, but try not to overdo it with what you're doing to your skin because you could just, you know, end up exacerbating, irritating all that stuff and just know that it will go away, you know, once we don't have to wear the masks anymore, which hopefully is soon. Hopefully is soon. Yeah. Yeah. Like Lauren said, just keep it, calm and cool and don't make freak sure out. to treat the area, but don't freak out <laughs> yeah. and, and go crazy on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So I think our last question for this episode is going to be um, Rex for choosing and partnering with a skincare line. So I guess um, yeah. I take that to be, you know, if you're an esthetician and you're wanting to bring in a skincare line to your, to your uh, treatment room. I love this question, first of all, because I think that this is something that's very important because, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. the products that you use in the treatment room and when you're working on clients is going to be, it's of utmost importance because you want to use something that's quality, something that's, you know, going to be non-irritating, all that stuff. Um, So when you're, you know, figuring out what to bring in and you're starting the process, Um, I think the number one most important thing is to work with different lines, you know, get some samples if you can, or purchase the products um, yourself, use them on yourself, use them on, um, you know, fellow estheticians that you work with and really get a feel for the products because you can look at ingredient labels all day long, but there's really not Mm -hmm. a way to translate what an ingredient label is going to feel like on the skin. Unfortunately, I love that you said that, Lauren, because I get questions all the time about do I like this professional line versus that one? And like I tend to say I recommend professional lines, but there's no, like you said, Lauren, like ingredient list you can read and understand that equates to actually working with a client, seeing the long-term results, Mm -hmm. getting the feedback, seeing how it works on your own skin. So I think really working with a line is the best way to understand if it's something you could see yourself selling. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, before, no matter what other research that you do, before you bring anything into your spa, you absolutely have to work with it yourself. I would never, Mm -hmm. never, never bring something in blind and not know what it feels like. And I would literally use every single product on myself, you know, just to know how it feels and, and all that stuff. So I think that you should absolutely be working with the product, especially if you're, you know, maybe start by like looking at ingredients and talking to different educational reps because they can give you, um, you know, a really in-depth background on, what the product line is all about, who it's formulated for, do products mix well together, or do you need to keep things pretty separate? Like, you know, working with an educator from the brand is really, really important as well, because you can, they have all the inside information, they know how it's formulated, they know the pH, they know like all that stuff. So knowing all that is going to be really important. Um, And then if you're just kind of wondering, like, where do I even start? How do I figure out what lines to even investigate? Um, ask other estheticians, you know, ask on Instagram, you know, look at people who you respect in the, in the industry, look at what they're using, um, get an idea that way. And then you can, you can go from there. Get, yeah. And get an idea for what people are super passionate about. Right. I think it's like, it really stands out when you talk to fellow SDs or people who've opened their own spas and they just 
love a brand or have an experience with it flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. I think that really speaks volumes. I think another great place to start is going to more skin shows and conferences, just like seeing, seeing what's out there. Um, There's, you know, quite a few professional lines. So just the more information you get, the better. Mm -hmm. And And I was going to say, be, be critical as well. Because yes. a lot of times when you, you know, pretty much every time when you meet a sales rep, they're going to, yeah. they're going to try to sell you. They're going to try to tell you all of the best things. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's their job. However, right. you as a professional need to use your critical thinking and your judgment to really evaluate what they're saying and kind of go beyond that, not just take everything at face value. That's why I like getting other estheticians' perspectives because they have no bias and no mm-hmm. reason to recommend something to you to sell exactly. if it hasn't worked wonders. So yep. that's definitely something to take into account. And then lastly, on this note of purchasing wholesale lines for your skincare spa, I think something that's not talked about often enough is creating your own private label, talking to other mentors who have their own spa. I know so many of them give the advice to consider creating your own line instead of selling somebody else's because you then you have 100% of the profits. And it's something you can take a class on. I know Joelle Lee has a class on private label skincare as does or maybe it's not a class, but Douglas Preston does do consulting with estheticians who want to create their own line. And it, it, from what I, from what I hear, it's, it doesn't have to be as hard as you may think. So just wanted to put that out there as an option. Mm-hmm. If those of you have the ambition to create your own line and you really want to increase your profit margins, that's a great way to do it. Yep. Perfectly said. Beautiful. All right. Well, I love these questions. This was a really fun episode. It was. So thank you everybody who submitted questions to us. We, our inboxes are always open. We keep like a running list um, of what you guys ask us so that we know what's most important to you. So always feel free to reach out to us. Um, As always, thank you for listening, supporting, reviewing. Um, We appreciate you guys so much and we love doing this for you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you guys. We love you so much. We hope everyone is staying healthy, taking care of your minds and your bodies and your faces at this time. So thank you guys so much. We love you. And we will talk to you in the next episode. Mm